Blog Talk Radio. There's no earthy way of knowing. <laughs> Good man, a lot of time. Which direction we are going? Narekio Camino. It would have been DWI. A tipping point. Good evening. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Tipping Point. We are here. Once again, our special guest tonight, Charles Anschutz, the owner of Southern Fried Championship Wrestling. That's going to be a great one, Larry. But Larry, Larry, we have to celebrate the good news. Even if it was only for an instant, Vince Russo is off the air or was off the air. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and give us full and total credit for that, (laughs) Um, even though it may not be true. But when has that ever stopped Russo from telling a good bullshit story? Um, I'm going to say the story, say us railing on him the last time we were on <laughs> about his horrible interview skills and his general uh, full of shittedness, so full of shit, his eyes are indeed brown, bro, uh, Vince Russo. So, Larry, for those not in the know, what the hell happened with Vince Russo? Yeah, well, his his interviewing skills and his full of shittedness was not sufficient to get him kicked off of Podcast One. But what was sufficient was a crazy-ass feud with uh, another, well, I shouldn't say another, an actual uh, wrestling uh, journalist. Uh, I think it's his from Between the Sheets, uh, Ryan Satin, who actually has does some credible wrestling reporting. Uh, evidently, they've been going back and forth on Twitter and feuding for a while because Satin believed that Rousseau was a, a racist, a homophobe, an anti-Semitic, and had said, said such things. And mm. uh, yes, yes. So this escalated. Bro, to the bro, where... it's not true, bro. I love, I, I love porch monkeys, bro. I love them, bro. <laughs> So so he accused Russo of all of these things, and I assume he had evidence to back it up, things Russo had said and and whatnot. Um, certainly, I mean, just off the top of my head, I can think of a number of things that Russo have said that, I, I you know, I don't like to throw around the word racist um, willy-nilly, but certainly Russo has said things in the past that certainly indicate a leaning towards um, – <laughs> Sort of prizing a certain ideal, i.e., white, uh, what what Russo would consider markable. Everything Russo would say, I would guess, would be couched under um, the thing of accessibility and marketability. Um, you know, he said in the past, no one will ever accept a Japanese star because they want a guy who speaks good English and all that kind of nonsense. So anyway, well, well, so yeah, what I guess happened to made- Russo? Yeah. So anyway, yeah, he apparently made at some point made 
derogatory remarks about Dave Meltzer and his nose or made some sort of nickname for him because of his Jewish nose. I, I, I don't know. You know, I this is what I read secondhand. Anyway, what, what apparently happened then is Russo uh, escalated by posting a video mocking Ryan Satin and his girlfriend. And, okay. And then it further escalated to whatever kind of back and forth was going on between them, where Russo's fans were issuing death threats to Satin's girlfriend. So uh, then at that point, apparently Satin uh, wanted him gone from uh, Podcast One, and in fact he was fired. But then, according to Russo, the owner of Podcast he threatened to get his lawyers involved, and the owner of Podcast One called him up and offered him his job back, which he declined, and he is now uh, over at the Realm Network where he has been before. <laughs> so I mean, oh, how, what kind of what, what kind of silliness? You know, issuing it's having his people issue death threats to Satan's girlfriend to get back at this guy. I mean, just goofiness. I mean, Russo's kind of Trump-esque without all of that success and money um, <laughs> or a hot wife. Like, you know, is, is, that, is that where we're at? Not just in terms of politics or society, but in wrestling, it's all about sort of riling up your base, uh, about getting attention, no, and any form of attention is good attention, right? I mean, that's Russo's whole thing. Everything is sort of put on display. Everything is made into a thing. I mean, I remember when Pyro and Ballyhoo, his website, by the way, worst website name ever, Pyro and Ballyhoo, when that, when that went tits up because Russo is playing sort of like fast and loose with the money, um, he made sort of a spectacle out of it, even though he was completely in the wrong, that the guy who had run the website was completely right. I think anybody objectively would look at that situation and just go, yeah, Russo owed him a bunch of money, but he continued to do it under the promise that he would get the money. And then he never got the money. And then Russo acted like he got screwed over. Uh, it, it's classic, you know, victim blaming stuff. And it's just how the guy operates. And, oh, and oh, they also, you know, both pretend to be Christian and a bunch of other stuff. Right. Um, I, I'm just curious that I find it amazing that Russo has a fan base. Like I, I yeah, don't even I do. say that to be, I don't, I don't say that to be facetious, Larry. I, I'm shocked at who at this stage in the game thinks that he has something to offer. Like I'm not sure what is the product that Russo is selling beyond the spectacle of he's going to say something outrageous or he's going to say something about wrestling that honestly I would assume. 99% of intelligent people who follow wrestling would know anyway. Like when Russo does have a point that makes sense, it's never something revelatory or amazing. It's something along the lines of, you know, bro, if they're going to push so-and-so, they, you know, they got to make him a strong, they got to have put strong heels against him if they want him to be a face. Like, thanks. <laughs> any, any other brilliant insight? 
um, former WCW world champion, Russo. Um, well, I'm just curious. Yeah, please. That, that, that anybody would care enough to threaten this guy who he's feuding with or threaten this guy's girlfriend is just beyond comprehension to me. Oh, it's, it, that part is not to me, Larry. And, and it's because not only has a significant part of the population in general been shown, and this is, applies to both sides of the political spectrum. I think it's not hard to find being a kook is now kind of fashionable. Whereas it used to be something that it used to be something that you would do underground and something that you would be ashamed of on some level. On some level, people used to understand that there were things that if got if they got revealed, would um, injure them somehow in society. But now, and I mean, a lot of this has to do with social media. I would gather, you throw out the kook thing. And roughly a third of people are going to agree with you, no matter what the hell you say. And that's how you find your people. And then you form the kook alliance, right? And then you have backup. And then, I mean, look at some of the bottom feeders in Georgia wrestling who have managed to gain an aura of legitimacy and aren't even embarrassed that maybe they wrestle on a show that's one step above a backyard show. And there is no shame. There is no dignity anymore. Now it's just a matter of finding enough people who will glad hand you and say, you're okay. And that's all it takes for a lot of people nowadays in wrestling and outside, you know, here's an, here's a a sample of one of the tweets he set out during this feud. Oh my God. Uh, All our shows on podcast one and realm network are 100% comedy based and never mean spirited. And when it's not funny, I attempted to teach life lesson through my Christian beliefs. People can sue a narrative all day, but when it comes to backing it with facts, nobody's ever home. So, so, Mm. the words of uh, Vince Russo. So he's back on the air on the realm network for for all the world to hear um, i will uh I'll, I'll back a few things up with facts and these are and i've read russo's books yes i'm the one who did and um russo has kind of like these common defenses larry like common things he says to defend himself because because it doesn't matter if a christian conversion happened it doesn't matter any of it he has framed himself. He's, I mean, everybody's the hero of their own story, and Vince Russo is no exception. The difference is the things that Russo would now look back and say he regrets are always things that weren't, quote-unquote, his fault. He always loves to say, for example, that I was turning the ship around at WCW, but then they cut my legs out. That's kind of one of his common things, and he always oh, yeah. cites numbers. He always cites numbers. Look at this number. Look at that number. Well, here's a simple fact. When Nitro went from three hours to two hours, that automatically was going to spike the ratings in some way, shape, or form. Um, So it is true that the numbers ticked up very slightly, but one, that always happens. But it came at the cost of an hour, one-third of their advertising revenue evaporating in smoke and they if you'll remember they used to also replay nitro remember yeah 
Yeah. So during the Monday Night Wars, if you want, you, everybody was flipping back and forth, but you really didn't have to. If you wanted to, you just stuck it out and you could watch Nitro again. And a lot of people did. A lot of people would watch Nitro and then watch it again. It was that popular. Russo also was part of the thing that got rid of the replay. So now they're losing an hour of ad revenue in prime time. Then they're losing all of the ad revenue that they got on the replay, all in an attempt to to show some kind of like arbitrary ratings gain. And it was so small that the suits at Turner hit the panic button big time because they basically pulled out all the stops um, in order to help Russo look as good as humanly possible. And it was still a bleeder on their hands. Mm -hmm. Um, And as much as he may try to say, Oh, you know, the David Arquette thing, it did lead to a, you know, we got a thing in USA today, bro. And all of that kind of stuff. At the end of the day, it was, a tarnished product that again, did he cause all of the miseries of WCW? Absolutely not. Um, But if there is a Mount Rushmore of fucktards that ruined that company, Vince Russo is the Teddy Roosevelt. (laughs) He came last, but he did just as bad. Right. Um, So, so if there's a Mount Rushmore of nitro murderers, clearly it. Let's see. Uh, Bischoff. But at least Bischoff can say, hey, but I got us there in the first place, right? right. I'm, the one right. Who, I'm, I'm the one who got us to the elevation from which we fell. Right? <laughs> but I, I got us there, right? He's one. Russo's another. Kevin Nash is the guy who I always thought got off scot-free. Scot-free. That guy, because he's so likable. Um, unlike Russo, that, you know, you spend any time with Kevin Nash, and I have, and he will charm the pants off of you, literally, in the case of a couple of the Nitro girls, right? So, but Kevin Nash did more damage with his booking tenure. Here's, here's an example. Um, so, at one point, they had gone to a stadium and sold it out, Larry, without announcing a match. That's how hot WCW and Nitro was at one point. Six months later, under Kevin Nash, they got less than 6,000 people instead of 40,000. Mm-hmm. I mean, and not to mention, book, you know, pushing to end Goldberg's streak the finger poke of doom. I mean, Nash's crimes are myriad. The destruction of the morale of that place, he holds part and parcel of. And the fourth, can you guess the fourth that I think should be on the Mount Rushmore of WCW murders? Enlighten me. Hulk Hogan. Um, I think Hogan, through his selfish ways, at one point Nash apparently talked to Hogan, and this was after... You know, the uh, the Jay Leno match, tag match with DDP and all that kind of stuff, right? And Nash, to his credit, pulled Hogan aside and went, you know, things are going okay now, but he, I, you can kind of see the wheels coming off and a lot of the guys are really upset and, you know, we really need to kind of advance things forward instead of it just focusing on you and then sort of through me. And Hogan just said, 
but what you're talking about is going to cost me a lot of money. And right. Nash, Nash didn't, I mean, that's the, that's the mantra of the boys, especially in the nineties. And Nash didn't really have a counter for that. But if a Hogan had uh, put it this way, I mean, at the end of the day, Ric Flair is kind of bulletproof, right? It doesn't matter all the sexual impropriety stuff. It doesn't matter because at the end of the day, Ric Flair is always going to be considered the wrestler's wrestler. And I think I figured out the main source of that. Ric Flair has made so many careers. How many guys owe their legacy in whole or in part due to Ric Flair? I mean, the list goes on and on, right? Who has Hogan ever made? It's a uh, harder question. Uh, Gold, <laughs> but not really. Not like, really. Like everything, every, everything's an asterisk, right, with Hogan. And I think that's why at the end of the day, the great debate, Hogan or Flair, I think any oh. wrestling person that knows anything, it's always going to be Flair. He's going to be the guy that, you know, went through ups and downs, not through his own making. He's the guy that was handed, you're in a mental institution, and he made it the funniest thing on the show. He's, he's the consummate guy's guy who just wants to be – Ric Flair, which is funny, is bigger than pro wrestling, but he just wants to be a part of pro wrestling. Hogan um, has always thought of himself as bigger than pro wrestling. And now is desperately trying to get back into pro wrestling, irony of ironies. So that's my uh, yeah. Mount Rushmore. Hogan, Nash, Bischoff, and Russo. Well, Hang their with, heads in shame. With <laughs> all this n- negativity in the opening segment, we've got to you know, have some more positive things to – a few more positive things to touch on in the, in the closing yeah, segment, uh, if, we, if we could. And unlike uh, Vince Russo, our um, special guest tonight is a very likable guy. We're joined now yeah. by Southern Fight Championship Wrestling's owner and operator and head man, Charles Anchitz. Larry Goodman, good to hear from you and Steve tonight. <laughs> Charles, Charles. We've been away. We've been uh, away for a while. <laughs> Charles, let me uh, let me set let let me just set a few things in motion here, and then and then please explain anything that you want to. Um, Charles, as most people know, um, you have stage four pancreatic cancer. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Yes, and so any any part of the conversation where Larry or me or whoever we sound like we're talking as if Charles is already dead. Keep that in mind that he is not. He is clearly not. Um, <laughs> that's one thing. But um, and the other part of it is like Charles. Uh, this is this is going to be your forum tonight. Um, say whatever you want to say. Um, you know. It's your night tonight um, to, and a lot of this is just sort of celebrating what you've contributed to uh, pro wrestling in general, but specifically in Georgia and, um, and, you know, have fun, Uh, tell stories about Southern fried hell, talk about anything that you want to, I guess that's what I would just say right at the top, Larry, is there any part of that that you want to add to or disagree with? No, I couldn't agree more. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, well, you guys know now I'm on extreme medication, so I've got an out for any damn thing I say tonight. Absolutely. 
<laughs> well, if you're on extreme medication, then you perhaps never fit into the pro wrestling business more than right now. <laughs> so with that, you with that, that disclaimer, the tipping point cannot be held responsible and Charles cannot be held responsible for anything that's <laughs> Blame it all on the morphine. <laughs> Charles and, no, and, and I, I just got 17 messages from guys wanting to place an order. <laughs> oh, Larry, we might actually get callers for the first time in a long time now. Yeah, right. <laughs> the line might light up. Huh? <laughs> so, Charles, um, uh, first of all, um, how are you, how are you feeling? How are you doing? Uh, horrible. Uh, I went in uh, four weeks ago for first chemotherapy treatment. Uh, they thought because I was a little younger and a little better health that they could give me this souped up form of chemotherapy that would, might let me live a little longer. Uh, unfortunately I made a mistake and agreed to go along with that. And if I had known different, I never would have took that first treatment. It it didn't go so well. I can say Hmm. in four weeks, I have not had a good day since then. Uh, been in and out of the hospital four times, uh, Right now, I'm here with a blood clot in my leg, uh, and I'm having to, medic, you know, have to take pills daily, uh, trying to get that down. Uh, you know, it's kind of tough when you go to sleep at night, worrying if the blood clot's going to move and you're going to wake up the next morning. But yeah, by the series, I want to get on that. Uh, but you know, health-wise, hasn't been very good. Uh, I'm pretty much, if I walk over five or six steps, somebody has to guide me along. Or I need a walker, or or something. It's, it's, I've I've deteriorated physically pretty quickly. Uh, I haven't given up hope, but uh, physically, uh, you know, I've, I've deteriorated pretty quickly, and it's killing me because I'm missing work, I'm missing wrestling. You know, I'm not yeah. going to do the. I'll, I'll I'll see something every now and then. I pretty much stepped away. Uh, but I'll see something every now and then that'll get my blood boiling or, or get me excited or like, no, 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 no. then I'll yeah. call David or I'll call Todd or, or I'll send a message and say, no, 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 we got to do this. And most of the time they're already on it. And that's, which is a testament to having, you know, the guy that I consider to be the best booker in Georgia working for me. Uh, I don't have to worry about everything. Everything's under control. Uh, I brought David Landers in as a, mm-hmm. as a co-owner uh, who will continue the company after I'm no longer able to do anything with it or, you know, dead and gone, just to be quite honest. Uh, yeah. The company will move forward. Uh, it will not shut down. I've worked too hard to build something here. I only wish I had five or ten more years to continue to see that because we're we're headed in the right direction. We're headed where we wanted to be. Uh, and unfortunately, I'm not just going to be around to to see it to complete fruition. But I'm leaving people in the right positions to make sure it gets there. At least it has the opportunity to get there. Well, you know, Charles, I, I know Larry has questions that he wants to ask, but I, I just want to stay off of the top because, of course, um, if you don't feel well later on, you know, of course, you know step away from the interview and all of that. So I just wanted to say this at the top instead of the end. Uh, I think 
uh, I mean, it's no secret that you and I have disagreed about stuff in the past. At the same time, um, I, I know, like, I, th- I think there's something that promoters understand that the boys don't. It's just a different animal um, when so much is sort of riding on your thoughts and your work. And um, at the end of the day, I, I guess, you know, what we're talking about is legacy. And Southern Fried's going to keep going after you're gone. You know, PCW has continued to go without me there. And um, at the end of the day, uh, your legacy is pretty great. And it goes beyond pro wrestling. I mean, obviously, Southern Fried is doing well and getting better. Um, you've gotten – you've clearly put things in place in anticipation of everything um, and that and that machine is working and now you're doing shows in different towns that are successful something I know that was very important to you but more than that you have a family that adores you um, I, I was I was tickled pink I mean obviously your kids are doing well that's something that I actually like pay attention to when you post is um, how well your kids are doing and grandkids but more than that, I thought it was really cool that it, is it true like your brother and sister sort of came to see you, and that's the first time that you all had been together in a long time. Is that right? Uh, that's the first time that I had actually seen my half brother. Uh, I think in fifteen wow. or sixteen years. Yes. Mm. Uh, he and my sister flew in from Utah, and we got to spend a few days together, uh, which helped a lot. Uh, yeah, it's the first time the three of us have been together, and first time I've seen him at all in, in about fifteen years, and uh, uh, that was really a, a, you know, you have things that you want to, you know, when, when I found when I got this diagnosis, there were things that I wanted to do, things that I wanted to make sure that I was able to get done, and still things yeah. that I wanted to do. Unfortunately, health has, you know, hasn't allowed that yet, but uh, I had one of my best friends. Drove up from Florida to spend two days with me. Uh, that I get to see maybe once every year or two. And uh, the show before last, we had a surprise 50th party where I saw people uh, <laughs> show up that I hadn't seen in you know in years. Uh, uh, rounded up, which was a complete shock. And and to throw a note in there, uh, yeah, I, there there were family members there who obviously know that I do wrestling, but there were people when I started who laughed at me when I said I was going to, I was going to do some professional wrestling shows. Members mm-hmm. of my own family laughed, thought it was a joke. Some of those same people were there for that 50th party that night in that crowd that with party goers pushed 400 people that night and yeah. said, holy shit, <laughs> we had no clue this is what you were doing. <laughs> and that just that feeling right there of yeah, I told you I was going to do it uh, was, was was awesome. I mean, it really yeah. was. Yeah, I but, mean, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, your, I mean, your legacy um, through your family and through Southern Fried. I think that you know, a common thing is like what why do people have kids why would you have kids in this day and age i mean i hear that kind of stuff all the time right how can you raise kids people would rather hang out with their fucking cats nowadays right but like at the end of the day there is i don't want to say selfish thing but there is this thing about 
uh, this sort of like nod towards immortality and whatever you think of as far as religion and things like that, you know, when you look at your kids and they're doing so well, and then you've started a wrestling company from scratch and I too, I know what that's, (laughs) I know how hard that is in the Georgia market. Uh, and oh, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a bitch and a half. I mean, you know, these, the guys up top, it, it's definitely at best, it's an arms cross. Let's wait and see. And at worst, it's a do everything they can to hamstring you. And you're, I mean, if there's a Mount Rushmore, I'm, since I'm on the Mount Rushmore kick tonight, if there's a Mount Rushmore of promoters in the state, you're on it right now. And that's an amazing thing. I, before Larry jumps in, um, Charles, talk about like talk about the early days and the early shows. What what was the thing that just where you went, fuck it, I'm doing Southern Fried. <laughs> like, what was the thing that just made you go, I'm gonna do this damn thing? And you, I mean, you had a bumpy road in the beginning, as anybody would, um, kind of like learned literally the hard way. Um, what oh, were those yeah. early days like, and what was your thinking in those early days? Well, you know, I started going. I, I drifted away from wrestling for a while. Then I started hearing about local shows around the areas uh, and started going a few places. I went over to, I guess before it was NWA Atlanta then, it was uh, whatever Andy Anderson's group was at that time. Oh, oh, MGCW, when they were MGCW. Yeah. yeah. I, they brought a show in where they brought Road Dog and, and, and Billy Gunn in one night. They did like a war game. So I took my son over there. He was real young. I was in that yeah. show. I was <laughs> I was on the heel yeah. team replacing Rick Michaels in that show. Yeah. <laughs> we we, we kind of enjoyed it. had a good time. My son was young. said he was around five or six. Uh, kind of got into it. So I started digging a little deeper for other little local shows. And a lot of the local stuff I was finding was, uh, <laughs> you know, basically I said to myself, I'm going to keep this nice. I said to myself, hell, I could do better than this. Yeah. You know, if you, if your show starts at seven, start your show at seven. I don't want the first match <laughs> in the ring at ten minutes to late. Uh, you know, if you want to start at ten late, that's great. Tell me you're going to start at ten minutes late. Or I could have had time to have two more chili dogs or something. You know. Uh, <laughs> but and I just thought, you know, I went to a show one night that was supposed to start at six, and I'm saying six. It's not. It was a PCW, <laughs> but it was supposed to start at six o'clock. First match gets to the ring. First match gets to the ring at six forty-five. They have four matches total for the entire night. The show ends at almost ten o'clock. Yeah. They have a referee oh, in blue jeans. Uh, they do one match and then take an intermission. I was going to say the dreaded double intermission. Did they do the yeah. double intermission? Oh. After, after starting forty-five <laughs> minutes late, they do a match and take an intermission, and. I just kind of put the word out that night, and I kind of, Chris Nouns and I started talking a little bit, and I said, look, you know, I'm I, this is something I want to do. I, I'm not a money mark. I don't have a lot of money. I, I'll commit to free shows. Let's put something together. Uh, the free shows are on. If they do okay, we'll keep going. If it bombs, then, you know, we'll we'll chalk it up to experience and move on. Uh, first night we did a show. 
uh, I was just sitting there saying, Lord, just please let 50 people show up. You know, please let 50 people show up. <laughs> but we had about 200, we had 280, 290 that night, turning people away at the door. Couldn't get anybody you else. You did. Literally got wrestlers to the ring. And from there, you know, we, we ran there again. Then we went to a bigger building at the National Guard Armory. First show at the National Guard Armory, we busted 400. Uh Second show at the National Guard Armory, Larry Goodman was nice enough to write a great piece about how our shaky ring was falling apart that night. Yeah. (laughs) And I'll never let him forget that. That's the first time he ever wrote any damn thing about us. And then for about a year after that, he still didn't write any damn thing else about us. I, I was going to bring that up, Charles. That shaking ring video. That just really, yeah. That, 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 and I, that, that was my introduction to Southern Fries. Yeah, and I sat there and said, "I'm drawing. Uh, there's ten shows running on Saturday night, and I'm drawing more than everybody else put together. And I can't get that son of a bitch out here to review my show." <laughs> that, but, that is uh, vital, isn't it, Charles? I mean, I, I've said it before, like. If Larry doesn't go to your shows, your shows ain't shit. It doesn't matter how good how good you you're drawing. I mean, GIWA. I mean, they they couldn't get Larry there with a crowbar and, and a shotgun and a bottle of whiskey. They just couldn't do it. And so it's why it doesn't matter if they get 300 for their Halloween show. It's it's when Larry started going to your shows regularly that I was just like, oh, Charles is in the club now. Like, I mean, <laughs> it's the surest indication, you know. When Larry is at well, your I guess, show, I guess that's when we become, become part of what people like to call the Good Old Boys Network that I hear about so much. I, I haven't figured oh, out yeah. who all that is, uh, but I, I've, I have determined that I have been placed in that group at some point. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's but yeah, those were the things. You know, we had we had problem getting talent. You know, early on, I had to pay people a little more than they were getting other places to get them to come to my place. Yeah, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with that because I wanted a better, deeper talent pool. I wanted, you know, I wanted to see good wrestling. I, not only was I promoted, I, you know, I never went into this to put a dollar in my pocket. I, well, I went into this because I wanted great shows to watch myself, and I wanted something for people in my hometown, which has nothing to do in Monroe, Georgia. Now, once or twice a month, there's something really fun to do in Monroe, Georgia at Southern Fried. And yeah. that, that that was my desire. Uh and when you you know, when we, you look Char- well Char- past that. Yeah, Charles, I was looking at like the cards. I, I dug up like the early cards of the early Southern Fried show. I mean, when you go from and I mean this will sound like I'm knocking him, and it's because I am, Ashley Blade Clark, and now you've got like Odin's son. I mean, you can, there's no comparison, right? I mean, like, there's no comparison. The undercard of Southern Fried now is as good as anybody's, right? Who's on the card, the matches that are being set up, the angles that are happening. It's all, like, light years ahead. Um, And, I mean, it's interesting that, like, you know, Charles started with Chris Nelms, but really outgrew him, right? And has gotten to the point where, now people will deal with you on an equal footing. It's no longer I have to pay more to get people. Now it's you're probably turning guys away. Like, it's probably ridiculous, right, the people who ask for bookings and, uh, you know, just this flood of 
stuff from the bottom to the top, right? Like some guys that can't even put a sentence together down to guys who are serious operators in the indie world yeah. who are interested in coming and doing your show. That's got to feel good, yeah. It, it, it's really great that some of the guys and gals who reach out to me now uh, is is really cool. I'll say that. Uh, and, you know, I, I will say this. I've always... People, people, and I know you've made comments yourself that you know I did overpay guys to start with. And there's no doubt about it. Uh, I got that back in the end because I'm I'm one hell of a negotiator. Uh, all I need to do is get my foot in the door and get settled. And if I told people what I got some folks to work for these days, they'd be crying. Uh, <laughs> which. Uh, I would never do that because I wouldn't put those performers in those positions. But, uh, you, you know, it's, it, it, we have, we, we don't have problems filling shows. Uh, and the great thing since I brought Todd on is I've stepped more away from that. And now Todd gets to be the bad guy and tell people that, well, you're just not quite ready for us yet. Uh, uh, I don't have to do let, that anymore with good feelings. I let him do let, that. Yeah. Larry, before before you jump in here with a question, uh, I have a question for you, Larry. So, you know, Charles mentioned that he started this thing with Chris Nelms. Do you know the difference between Charles and Chris Nelms, Larry? Um, <laughs> no? I think you're well, going to tell I'll, me. <laughs> I'll, 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 just, I'll, I'll just tell you. The difference is when Charles is gone, people will be sad. So, Larry, if you could. Okay, okay, okay but let, let me jump in there. Let me jump in there, okay? I, 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 I'm going to pull off of that and say this. I talked to a lot of people when I started. Chris was the only one that would listen to me. Yeah. Uh, which got me in the door. Now, eventually we got to a point where we didn't see eye to eye or something. We worked that out. Whatever you think about Chris as a wrestler or whatever else, everybody's had much ballyhooed opinions. Uh, <laughs> Chris has been a good guy to me. And I consider Chris a friend. Uh, and I'll say this for him. The guy the guy hustles and gets bookings. It might not be the greatest bookings in the world. Right. But the, the, the guy promotes himself. And there are a lot of damn people in this state who are trying to get spots who could learn at least from that part of what he does. Now go back to bashing this song, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Larry, what did you want to ask? Well, I'm going to just get this out of the way right now. One of the things that I've really respect Charles for is being a, a, a nice guy, an honest guy as a promoter who also puts on good shows. What a wonderful combination. That is. Um, That's a rare bird. <laughs> yeah. <I'm sure. laughs> well, I appreciate that, Larry. And, and uh, I, I, I've always tried to treat people the way I want to be treated. And I never wanted the boys to have to show up at the show and go home with less money than they had when they got there. Uh, you know, I, I wanted, you know, I, I'm not going to say I pay guys a killing, but the guys can come to the show, pay for the gas my supper, and maybe still have 20 bucks left at the end of the night, whereas a lot of places they can't do that. And yeah, at least they could with me, you know, and, and a few other places. 
I mean, I mean we're, we're in an age where if you look at Charles, Matt Hankins, and Shane Knowles, I would say those are not just three good promoters, but three good human beings Agreed. who are the head of um, some of the best promotions in the state. So that, that, that's another part of your legacy, I think, Charles, that uh, needs to be stated. Yeah. So, Larry. Well, to be mentioned with both of those guys is an honor. Uh, I've had the opportunity to work with some really good people. Uh, I've, I've built good relationships with folks. Uh, the the somewhat relationship that we have going on with Rick and the guys in in, in Cornelia, uh, I'm very proud of the fact that we have our champion defending titles up there. We had a shindig where we had an, an Anarchy versus uh, Southern Pride title match. We're going up there doing another show in May at their building, and uh, they've been nothing but good to us, and we've tried to work to build two brands together, actually even three brands together. And uh, Shane, I think the world of doing a great job at Peach State. You know, for the last five years, they've been the benchmark to me in this state. Uh, Matt. Who's, it's been said millions of times, nobody does more or less than Matt Hankins. Uh, great guy, funny, entertaining. Uh, I, to be mentioned with those people, uh, along with guys like Woody as well. Uh, yeah. You know, I, if I'm mentioned in that company, then my five years have been very successful. Absolutely. Larry, what else did you want to ask Charles? So, Charles, what's what's a juicy Southern Fried story you can tell us that you can always attribute to the uh, medication you're taking? <laughs> what's More a juicy story? <laughs> oh God, I don't. I, I don't. You should you should have given me a two day notice on that one. Uh, <laughs> because I'm not a. Let me think on that one a little bit. If I come up with something that I feel safe telling, I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> let me then. What, what is it? It seems to me that this last run of shows that you've uh, done since Todd's been there is kind of to me. It's like your best overall Southern Fried. There's been a lot of great stuff in Southern Fried, but as far as the overall package. Does it feel that way to you? Does it seem that way to you? And what's that like? If so, what's that like for you to, to see it at the stage it's at now? Yes, that's, that was one of the first conversations that I had with Todd. And I knew that Todd would do what he does to make everything in that show mean something to the show. The problem we had early, and, and I, I, I'll, I'll go straight out with it, we had a bunch yeah. of guys who were friends and buddies and all that, and we would we would we would make out a card. You know, we'd have our card together for the next show, and then we'd be like, "Well, damn, we got seven guys here that wouldn't do didn't do anything with it." So what did we do? We we found a way to do something with those seven guys, which is the wrong answer. Uh, yeah. Eventually, in the business, I learned you know you can't. It's not about booking your buddies or your friends. It's about booking what you need. You know, we got away from those three-and-a-half-hour shows to where we routine two-and-a-half hours. It's pretty much, you know, we hit that number within five minutes every show now. Uh, but we, it's it's not how many people you have. It's the quality of what you have. And, and 
I knew that for a long time, but I didn't do anything about it, which is, you know, falls back on me. Yeah. Uh, because I didn't want to hurt feelings. There's guys I like. There's guys that we don't use right now. There's guys that we're bringing back. I love those guys to death. But were they best for the show? Or, you know, what, right. what Todd is able to do is we bring some of those guys back and put them in the right positions. You know, the, the, the tight end can be the best tight end in football, but he can't be the damn best quarterback. You know, somebody has to be the, the gunner on the kickoff team. You know, it, everybody has a position. It doesn't mean yeah. you can't strive to be the quarterback one day, but you, you put people in a position to succeed, which is what I've done in wrestling, which is what I've done in my professional career, which is what I've done with my antique shop. You know, you put yourself in positions to be successful. And people in the right positions, it's not their fault, it's your fault. And and Todd and I share that vision, and I think, you know, there's no wasted motions in what Todd does. And I would like to think that Todd would tell you the one thing about me is that he probably didn't. I, I think I surprised Todd by knowing a little more than he hmm. probably thought of you. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said, he, he, he wastes, there's nothing wasted. He'll do something in the opening match. And I'll tell you, I don't even ask. I don't ask for lineup sheets. I don't, I don't want to know what's going to happen on the show. I mean, I know the big details of where we're going and what right. we're doing. But I want to be surprised in the match. And I'll see some little something in the opening match of the show, and then four matches later, something that ties back into that. And I'm like, brilliant. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's what we're talking about. And he is so good with that. He's so good to work with. I'm not kissing his ass. And I pay him well to do what he does. And uh, and he's delivering. Uh, great people, him and Kelly. You know, the story's been told. I went to Ke- I called Kelly to, to hire Todd because I'm a smart businessman. And it worked. <laughs> um, what are your thoughts on the, um, in retrospect, on your um, anarchy run? Uh, do we got another hour? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here, let me, I'm going to, let's put a synopsis on this. The original plane, the story is, I hadn't been in that building in years, like like 15 years. I show up one night for a show out of the blue, which happens to be the night that Franklin Dove actually announces he's selling the company. No, just pure coincidence. Well, well sitting in the crowd, a lot of people there knew who I was. Half the crowd automatically turns and looks at me. <laughs> like, Why are you here tonight? He's announcing he's the company. <laughs> Oh, wow. And I never knew this. Wow. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, so in about two or three, and I can tell you, before I left that night, Jacob Ashworth, uh, Taco, uh-huh. somebody else grabbed me up and said, man, you need to buy this place. And I'm like, yeah, nah, this, this is anarchy, man. This is out of my league. And I remember having a con- conversation with Nigel Sherrod, and just throwing it out there, and, and he mentioned at that time, and I don't know how much Rick would want me to go into details, but Rick was interested at that time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there was a meeting put together by 
Nigel in Winder, Georgia, at a McDonald's with me and Rick Michaels to discuss buying Anarchy. And we kind of walked away from there that day saying we're going to go home and discuss it, but we think we're going to do this. And so I'm, I come home, discuss it with the family. I, you know, I think I'm going to do this. Rick calls the next day and says, things are going so well at Peach State. Things are going so well with his, you know, his business, his, his, yeah. his pulling gear and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his gear business. He said, I'm just scared. to make, I, I, I don't want to mess anything up right now. And I said, okay. And I kind of stepped away from it. And then I spoke with somebody else, the Shane Bell, a guy who was wrestling for you over in Porterdale at that time. Shane, guy who'd been wrestling some for me, I got to know. And Shane was interested in getting in the other side of the business. And so we got together and we, we pulled it off. I think we shocked a lot of people, pulled it off. And the idea was Shane was living in commerce at the time. Uh, his girlfriend was there and he was kind of going to take care of the building and, and do the flyer, you know, the, the post, you know, posting the town and doing that kind of stuff. And I was going to kind of be the money man and be the promoter and the face. And then, you know, a month or two in, Shane and his girlfriend have a horrible breakup, unfortunately for them. And Shane takes a job promotion into Ohio and, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I'm left with a, yeah, and I'm left with two wrestling companies now, and I don't have time to barely run one. And so that, that's how it all fell out. I, I wish I would have done a lot of things different. Yeah. That's easy I, to I say think, now. Well, I was, I was going to say, but at the end of the day, right, You, I, I mean, that was that was the close of anarchy. And I, I think at the end of the day, Especially when you compare, say, like the the Danny only tenure, right? The why we wrestle. God, I hate saying that name. Um, the why we wrestle era. I, I mean, was clearly the the big negative. I, at the end of the day, uh, I you know you you held serve at Anarchy, which you probably weren't happy with, right? Like you wanted things oh, to be no, more, no. of course. Right, but but at the end of the day, um, it 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 remains strong under your watch to the point where, and you and you stepped away from it and sold it. I thought at a right time and an appropriate time. That stuff's never easy to do. I I think that's another thing that sort of separates promoters from, the, let's say the boys, is. Failure is a part of what we do, and we live in an age where when something doesn't go right, you've got a million people pointing at you saying, see, that didn't go right. It, re- it reminded me of when Wheeler used to, he just delighted in saying, look at all these venues where Steve used to run that they don't run in anymore as, as like some kind of huge negative, and I thought to myself, no, that's what you do, and I go, and I remember thinking to myself, and when this little asshole starts running his own thing again, he's going to find out, right? Like, he's going to find out. Failure is a part of what we do, but it doesn't have to define who we are. And I think at the end of the day, Charles, n- not just with wrestling, but, yeah, wrestling, your, you know, the antique store, uh, your family, your work, uh, and the people around you who love you, um, 
none of the things that other people would call failures have defined you as a failure. On the contrary, um, at the end of the day, they've all been successes built on mistakes that you learned from. And really, it's just what else is life about other than contributing and making the lives and the things that you're involved in better for you having been there? And that's clearly happened, and that includes anarchy. Yeah, and and you know it it, it was a great feeling uh, being introduced the first night as the owner, having AJ Styles in the ring, Steve oh, as well. Still, mm-hmm. probably my greatest memory in wrestling. Uh, you know, I always I you know every six months or a year I pull it out and I show that video to somebody who's a big wrestling fan. So look, you know, I was in the ring with AJ Styles, not in wrestling. <laughs> But I was in the ring with him for a few minutes. <laughs> and he, I got to see him up close kick Mike Posey's ass. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Which is always a good thing. <laughs> Speaking of, we got some things going on, and, and little ass is getting kicked. I'm about ready to see Corey Hollis's little ass get kicked later, good <laughs> It's about time, isn't it? What that little son of a bitch. If I felt better, I'd whoop his ass myself. <laughs> Charles, what, so Charles what, are the, what are the things What are the things going on in Southern Fred Right now that you're really excited about I'm really excited about Just about everything that's going on But you know what I'm excited about I'm excited about the young talent That we're, that we're, 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 we're building up We've gotten to that point now With our crowd And this is, this is something Some places the crowd only accepts the people that they know, the people that they love. We're getting to a point now where we can bring new guys in, give them a show or two, and those guys are getting are popping out of the building. The the uh, Bills boys, I call them, uh, uh, Garrison and Cross, the two young kids, doing great things. Yeah. The things we've been able to do with Xander Ramon. Uh, he, Steve, you've probably never seen him and never heard of him. No, he's got I haven't. Look, he's got the look. He's a greenhorn. He's still green as hell. We're working with him. We're putting him in the right situations, putting him in the ring with the right people. The guys, now all of a sudden I see he's getting, getting booked everywhere. Uh, he come up with Jeremy Vane over there. Jeremy was working with him. Uh, I saw him. He's a local kid to us. Uh, and we've done some good things with him. The things that Ike Cross has been doing, Ike Cross is <laughs> – if he's not the most popular guy in Southern Pride now, he's right there. Uh, yeah. And it's well-deserved. Uh, we have great plans for him. We have great plans for a lot of guys. Uh, the job that Adrian Hawkins has done as heavyweight champion uh, is, has been tremendous. I love the character change that we kind of made with him there. Uh I mean, so many things are going well. We've got the 605 crew back in, which I know you guys hate. But you know what? We're doing good things with that. Uh, we got Jagged Edge back with JB Enterprises. I am so proud of what JB Enterprises has done. Joseph Brock was looked at as a laughing stock. He was the laughing stock character manager. We, Todd and I discussed uh, – we didn't want to get too far away from that, but we wanted a vicious side of that. Uh, Techi Maguchi has made tremendous strides over the last year. Uh, Drew Blood, to me, was the most entertaining performer in the state of Georgia last year. 
Uh, Larry may not agree with that, but he he will tell you that I'm not far off anyway. No, I uh, he had my vote. He had my vote. Yeah, absolutely. He, he had mine as well. He had mine as well. And Brian Kane is fitting right there. Who's the more serious guy in the group? Who Brian Kane can can succeed in any role you put him in? Uh, probably because he had some good training uh, in Porterdale. Uh, he, he's a good he's a good hand. We're doing a lot of great things. I know I'm going to forget people, and I don't mean to, but we, we can blame that on the medicine too. Uh, <laughs> but I'm really excited with the things that we're doing. We're going to bring we're bringing some folks back. We're going to have a few surprises here and there. Uh, we've set up uh, a big feud that's going on now with Logan Creed and Gunnar Miller at Anarchy. We're going to kind of spread that out down to Shindig and do some things with that. Uh, we got some surprises in store. Uh, I have planted the seed for one thing that I want to do. There's one feud. I'm not going to name names that 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 actually set our company back a couple years ago. We, we put a lot. We invested a lot in a huge feud and got ready for the payoff and never got the payoff. And I'm sure, Larry, you know what I'm talking about. What feud that would have been? Uh, but uh, well, I've. Been in discussions with those two guys, as well as Todd has been in discussion with those two guys. And Lord willing, before I kick the bucket, we're going to see a finish to that feud. I'm very excited about that. Uh, I, I was fixing to ask you, Charles, if there was anything that you just never got around to match or a feud they just never got around to doing. I guess you just gave me, you know, I guess you just well, gave me the answer. You know, we built a company strong for six, eight months off of that feud and got down to the end to start paying it off and unfortunately things happened and that set the company back. That 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 set the company back. Uh and if you want an interesting story, I'll give you a, a, a slight interesting story. Yeah. And this this is gonna give away one of the people I was talking about, uh AJ Steele. It's really a good fun time when you call AJ Steele and and you're able to say, AJ, please don't kill me, but I'm firing you as Booker. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like literally waiting for like the tongue from uh, uh, Freddy Krueger to come through the phone, except to be his big black <laughs> hand and like snatch me through the phone. <laughs> but it was more, it, it was never a, a firing, it was more of a. I think we need to go in a different direction. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, that one was kind of – that was one of those I was glad I was able to do over the phone. Yeah. <laughs> but it went well. And he didn't talk too bad about me the other week on y'all's show, but he did talk a little bad about me. And, <laughs> I, yeah, but I, and he knows I still beat his ass. <laughs> no, I, I think I think very highly of AJ Steele, and he didn't say anything. That was too far off. We just have a little bit differing opinion of what happened, but not much. And and I respect him dearly and, and think he's a hell of a guy. Uh, but any Larry, more questions? Wait, wait, yeah, Larry. Larry. Thingy. Larry. Why don't, do you have a last question for Charles? Um. Golly. Well, this is kind of a, like a tangent. Go ahead. Go ahead, Charles. I want you to go ahead and tell everybody about this, this all-ladies show we're doing Friday night before Shindig. Because I know you've been reading about it. 
Well, you know, you kind of caught me with my pants down here. I know you're doing it, but I don't know too much about the lineup, Charlie. Uh, I'm really sorry. No, you're no, going to have to. No. You're going to have to shill this one yourself. See, I'm having to do this one off the top of my head, medicated too. But I'm really excited <laughs> that I know that one of our main event matches is going to be uh, Priscilla Kelly versus Leva Blue Pants Bates. Oh, I'm really yeah. excited about. Uh, we're going to have uh, a, a young lady that we're excited about here in Georgia, Harlow O'Hara versus Sue Young, which ought to be a mm-hmm. bloody murder. Yeah. Kiara Hogan will be in. And she's facing Savannah Evans, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, gosh, we got all kind of great girls coming in. Stormy Lee, Brooklyn Creed. I'm going to forget people. Oh, yeah, fresh off her uh, tour of Japan. Uh, Aja Pereira will be in facing Maddie Max. Nice. We, I am. This is probably the last project that I got to work on myself. You know, a lot. Yeah. I'm the type of person that I I want to be the booker. I want to run everything. But as a smart smarter business person, I let Todd Sexton do that. But I like to play every now and then, and I got to play here mm-hmm. a couple weeks ago with a Thursday night show that I think went really well. Uh, and if I if you'd have told me three four years ago that we'd ever had the talent in that we had on a Thursday night a couple of weeks ago, I'd have said you were crazy as hell. <laughs> we that yeah I mean he, I I was skeptical of the Thursday night thing, but that last Thursday night I I wasn't at the first one, but that one sure made a believer. I mean that was a fun show and a good show and very well attended too. You you I mean you you yes. covered all the bases. Yes, that's we brought that talent in, Larry, and turned the profit. Now that's back with my hand up, as my grandpa would say. <laughs> so uh, I'm very excited about that. Uh, but yeah, we got the ladies' show. We're going to do a Friday night ladies' show that we've stacked, loaded. This shindig on Saturday. Uh, very excited about that. We already have Iceberg lined up for Hall of Fame induction. We have Bill Barron's lined up for Hall of Fame induction. And I'm thinking, and I've heard. Well, I don't know. Yeah, I'd have her if he's going to end up, but I'm going to leave those alone. We won't talk about that yet. We'll save a few surprises, but uh, <laughs> nice. I, I'm really I'm really excited about what we got going on. Like I said, we're coming back to Cornelia uh, in May. I got it made in the top of my head. I, I don't know, but it's like maybe the third Saturday in May. We're, we're doing running Cornelia again, and I've reached out to Todd about a surprise or two for there, and hopefully we can pull those off and make those happen. We'll see. Uh, who knows? But uh, we got some great things going on, and then you know, I'm as far as my end, I'm just playing it by ear. I hope I'm I hope I'm healthy enough to be there this Saturday night in Loganville. Last show in Loganville, we drew 250. I hope we're gonna get that again. We've got Nikita Koloff coming in, making an appearance. We'll be signing hmm. autographs and doing pictures. We have a great card lined up: Corey Hollis against Jacob Ashworth. We've got Tetchy and Xander Ramon, who's a local Loganville kid, and uh, Adrian Hawkins in a three-way. We've got Ike Cross against Brian Kane, Jagged Edge against Justin Legend, and, and a whole lot more. Uh, and guys, come on out, Loganville's not too far. If you're in Atlanta, you can be in Loganville in 30 minutes. Hey, Charles, that uh, that Cornelia Day, might that be May 19? For uh, yes, is that, that right? sounds right. Yes. Well, cool. Charles, you know, um, 
it's great to hear you like so excited and animated. I, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Um, for the end here, unless Larry has an objection, I think you should get just an opportunity to, to say whatever you want to say. I mean, use, use it however you want. I mean, I, I'm so glad to hear about all the things that are coming up various shows, but is there, I, I mean, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to give an Oscar speech or anything unless you want to, but I just thought it'd be nice if you just, said whatever you wanted to say right now to send us out. Yeah, I, I'd like to take a couple minutes and tell a story. Yeah, man. And, uh, you know, I, I've i been dealt a really bad hand. I understand that. Uh, I, I have dealt with that. I'm prepared. It's prepared as prepared can be. You know, I hear people say, uh, you know, God, he's he's just 50 years old. You know, I'm probably not going to see 51. I understand that. Uh, but here's a story that I want to tell. 25 and a half years ago, I had a daughter born. My first child was born. She had Maconian Aspiration Syndrome, MAS. She had swallowed during delivery, had swallowed fecal matter in, into her lungs. She had to be rushed to the Medical College of Georgia to do a brand-new experimental thing called ECMO. I had to sign papers. She was test case study 148. They told me she had less than 10% chance of living without that, maybe 30 to 40% with it. Uh, it's an amazing procedure. It's a cylinder outside the body of a baby. All the blood from the body pumps through it, comes back in from another end, and just rests the lungs and allows them to heal. At the Medical College of Georgia, with brand new technology, they saved my daughter. I got to spend at least 25 and a half years with that daughter. She just blessed me this past week with my second grandchild. 14 years ago, my wife was pregnant with twins. Five, six weeks before they were due, uh, at least somewhere in that neighborhood, she'd been having gallbladder problems. Just They couldn't do anything because she was pregnant. She was actually in the hospital because she was dehydrated from the gallbladder. She calls me at 4 in the morning. I'm here with my oldest two daughters at that time. Says, you better get over here. My water broke. 4 o'clock in the morning. Unbeknownst to her, in a dark hospital room at 4 o'clock in the morning, her placenta uh, abrupted, exploded. Luckily, she was already at a hospital. My two twins were born not breathing. The son was gray. They were able to save both of those children. Live healthy, productive lives today. They told me had my wife been at home, both of those kids would have died, no chance whatsoever, and more than likely my wife would have bled out before I could have ever gotten her to a hospital. So God give me 25 and a half years and two grandsons. God give me 14 years of those twins and my wife that I very well could not have had. So if he's 
you know, if you feel I'm getting short of five or ten years or whatever in my life, I ain't getting short of shit. I've had a damn good life. God's blessed me with those things that I could not have had. I've got a great family. I've got a great work team. I've got a great wrestling team. I've got guys like you who I can talk to who accepted me in to professional wrestling. Don't shed a tear for me. If it is, shed a tear for happiness because I've had a damn good run. And whatever's left of it, I'm going to try to make the best I can. The only thing I ask for is God give me some, a little relief and a little pain-free before I go so I can do a few more things that I want to do. But, guys, I've had a damn good life, and I'm not wanting for anything. Thank you. Well, Charles, much love and respect to you. Um, thank you so much. And uh, I said it before, but I'll say it again. Uh, your legacy is assured. Thank you, Steve. And uh, you and Larry have meant a lot to me. Even even in criticism, I tried to take those criticisms and, and do better with them. And I appreciate it all. And you guys, I thank you for having me on and let me have some time to talk tonight. And I, I actually have felt great while. I, I think it's done me good to be able to talk to you guys tonight. Good. Thank you, Charles. I love you, Charles. You too, Larry. I love you guys too, man. Have a great one. See you soon. All right. See you soon. Uh, That was Charles Anschutz. And and this has been another episode of The Tipping Point. Larry and I will see you guys again soon. And make sure you go out and check out a show. Say hi to Charles when you see him. We'll see you next week or maybe the week after that with another episode of The Tipping Point. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.